Welcome back to the Artist Care and Feeding Podcast. I am your co-host, Kathleen Falsani, and I'm here with my bestie, Caitlin Barrett. Hey! And today we are super excited to welcome a very talented artist, Rachel Mack. She's a comedian and a writer in Los Angeles who is a paid regular at the Comedy Store. She made her TV debut last year on Lights Out with David Spade on Comedy Central and wrote for the forthcoming sketch comedy, The Movie Show on Sci-Fi. Welcome to our little cyber home on the prairie. Rachel, we're so glad you're here. Hello, hello. So we start every episode with the same question and it's meant to be open-ended and uncomfortable. So brace yourself, Bridget. Here it goes. Artistically speaking, how would you describe yourself? Um, I would say that it, well, I'm a comedian. And mm-hmm. so when you said uncomfortable, I was like, <laughs> oh, on comedian podcasts, they'd be like asking me about my sex life. Um, so that's that's next. so asking me about uh to describe myself as an artist yes yes Uh, artistically speaking artistically speaking you know that yeah that's uncomfortable in a very different way Mm -hmm. um i would say i've been described often as refreshing (laughs) um she made air quotes ladies and gentlemen with just the one hand I guess it's like I I say things how they are. Mm-hmm. Um, in my family, we've never been one to we've never been a family that skirts around the truth, mm-hmm. and we've just you know called a spade a spade. And I didn't realize that not everyone did that mm. until I think I went to Christian college, and everyone was so shocked at the fact that I just said what I thought and mm-hmm. I didn't filter it through things. And I think that that has kind of seeped into my comedy. It has seeped into my writing is just, you know, seeking to communicate things as they are and to mm-hmm. speak the truth clearly, um, which sounds so biblical, but is <laughs> I isn't meant to be in but my case. True. Yeah. I yeah. mean I I definitely feel that Christian families are notorious for not being direct or truthful. Like mm-hmm. I think it just goes counter to having an agenda, which I don't necessarily mean in a bad way, although it certainly can be. Yeah. Yeah. You you want to appear as though everything is is kosher and well actually kosher would be the wrong word in mm-hmm. talking about evangelical christian american families i think is specifically what we meant by that little code right. little evangelical ease or ex-evangelical ease um but yeah i think it's it's about appearances and you certainly don't want to say the wrong thing or look the wrong way or give the appearance of sin and all of that um or offend anybody or offend anybody which truth. <laughs> you yeah. want to speak you know? the truth in love which but, is sort of counter to the comedian ethos anyway. Yeah. You know, yeah. that sometimes the and truth think, is offensive and that's where it yes. is. Yeah. yeah. So I, my family uh, is like, I, they're very Christian, but they're also like kind of like working class. Mm-hmm. And so 
They're very similar to Roseanne. I mean, <laughs> a little bit less offensive, but definitely kind of don't give a fuck. And yeah. so I think that's kind of where it comes from with me and why I have so much respect for people just being genuine. Yeah. It, Do no, they watch your stand up? I'm sorry, Kathleen. Didn't it's okay. To jump on you. Yeah, that's uh, right. My mom does not watch my stand up. My dad has watched a. When I went on the David Spade show, my dad was like, please don't do the crucifix joke. I'm begging you. And and I was like, I don't care. Like he's like, what would grandma think? Oh. I'm like, grandma does not watch YouTube. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Grandma's insulated. Mm-hmm. So now you said working class. Is it Sheboygan? Am I correct in remembering yeah, that? Yeah, I grew up in Sheboygan. Beautiful. My parents are now in Ripon, but yeah, Sheboygan. Sheboygan, Wisconsin. Sheboygan. Me too. It's fun. Makes me think of cheese curds and fried fish and goodness. Yum. Line and mm-hmm. kugels. Um, so, you know, it, it's not, although a few people have taken it in recent years, coming from a Christian college and then going into stand-up comedy and becoming successful at it just doesn't that's not a usual path for someone to go when I mean, you has started. Anyone else ever done that? Has Pete have there oh, been I mean, just six- Pete, Holmes. Pete Holmes? That was Gordon. I feel like Pete there Holmes has stolen my thunder. There we go. <laughs> well, he's really degree. big in, in ju- just, you know, as a human. So it's mm-hmm. he's thunderous, but but a lovely human. Um what when you and we all went to the same school undergraduate although um a generation or so apart is what it feels like uh when you were a student at wheaton did you think you were going to do something else had you always thought about performing in one way or another i i grew up wanting to be a writer and then it wasn't until and i really didn't think about performing Mm. much um, and I hadn't even seen stand up until I moved to LA. So really, I really cons- yeah, I didn't oh. consider stand up an option. Wow. I mean, there was like there was improv at Wheaton. Yeah. Um, mm. But I didn't want to work with other people, so I didn't <laughs> like that. Seemed not my thing. And so, but at Wheaton, I did realize that I was funny, and mm-hmm. I think that was a very important thing for me to learn about myself. And to learn that I liked storytelling and I liked entertaining people and people would like call me over to their table in the cafeteria and uh-huh. ask them to like Saga. tell a certain story about a bad date or whatever. And that always felt weird to me. Like I enjoyed doing it, but mm-hmm. I was like, this is odd. And then my second week in LA, I went to the comedy store mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, this is what I was this is what I'm supposed you to do. You were just doing little private sets in a Yeah, private sets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in a dining room. You know, like yeah. you do. sounds like that story, <laughs> that small story arc in uh, Miss Mrs. Maisel where she's like performing at cocktail parties with another male comedian there for a hot second in the first or second season. Because that was acceptable to like tell stories, mm-hmm. but to go downtown and do stand up was not. But um, so what did it feel like? when you realized that that's what you were meant to do or that's what you wanted to be doing or that was the thing? Yeah, I was so energized that, I mean, it's a very vivid memory I have of going to the comedy store that night. I went with 
a friend from Wheaton and we got there probably like 8.30 or 9 and by 11 or so he had left and his friends had left and so I just stayed mm. until there was just me and one other woman in the audience and I was still so innocent from Wheaton. I was like still a virgin mm -hmm. and I was very sheltered and so a lot of the things that the comedians were saying I was like very taken aback <laughs> but at the same time I was just like so excited that this mm -hmm. is like I found it mm, right. and it was so special like I love that stand up you can say the same jokes you know night after night but you'll never have the same crowd mm -hmm. you'll and I like to riff and so I try to make every set special in mm -hmm. a way and I love that, like, you're sharing this experience with a set group of people, and it just feels so unique, um, and it, it just was what I wanted to do. Mm. Yeah, it, it doesn't get duplicated in that way of live art. Yeah. It's not the same every night, regardless of whether or not the words mm -hmm. are the same. So yeah. did you and a good comedian doesn't say right. the same words every time. Right. True. Did you start doing stand-up right after that? Or did it take you a while to get into getting yourself up there? Yeah, it did take a few months. Just it, a few months? That's impressive. <laughs> well, so because I moved to LA to be a writer. And, mm. um, and so I was like writing. But then I realized I don't know what, how to make it as a writer. Mm. And I remember going... I moved into a different apartment and I was like going to Bed Bath & Beyond to get some stuff for the kitchen. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, should I buy a nice can opener or should I buy a shitty can opener? <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'll just buy a shitty can opener because when I get married and get a wedding registry, uh -huh. I'll, have, I'll get <laughs> yes. the nice can opener. Yeah. And then I was like, and then I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> you don't have a boyfriend? Like you don't. You moved to Los take the girl out of Wheaton. Yeah, seriously. I, I, I literally uh, remember man. having a very similar thought about something like, no, I shouldn't invest that extra $4 because someday someone will give it to me at my auntie's backyard picnic party for me. Yeah. <laughs> no. Oi. Wow. <laughs> so that moment in Bed Bath & Beyond, that's when I was like, fuck, I need to get myself, I need to get my shit together because I can't just wait around for a guy. No. And so then I was like, okay, I'm going to do 50 open mics. And if I hate it after 50, wow. I'll stop. So that was, that was the number you gave yourself was 50. Mm -hmm. I love that. And, and did so you that, give yourself a time frame or just no, the number? Okay. Just 50. All right. Wow. Dear. Awesome. That is, I'm impressed. That's like doing, the, the closest I can think of is doing like 17 of 30 days of hot yoga in a row once, like <laughs> 10 years ago. Um, do you remember? <laughs> no, but that was, you know, again, ten, no, more than 10 years ago because it was Chicago. So, and it was only 17 of 30 days. Um, <laughs> I can still feel it though. Uh, <laughs> did, so I, I assume you recall probably vividly your first time stand, doing stand up. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So I had, I decided to go to a couple open mics before I actually went up mm -hmm. to just kind of get the lay of the land. And I remember going to one and just everyone bombed and they were bombing. <laughs> it was like a five minute set you got. And I was like, oh, people are bombing for five minutes. And, Brutal. Brutal. Yeah, but I was like, 
if they can do it, yeah. I can do it. You know, they're they're not dead afterwards. They're just bombing. Yeah. And then they live normal lives. Um, <laughs> so I went to one open mic where everyone bombed. And then I went to another one. And I had been, like, prepping jokes, but I didn't really like have a set yet mm -hmm. and this open mic turned out to be very poorly attended and so I was there were just like five or six guys there and so we're all just like kind of chatting beforehand and they're like um and I, I said that like I don't want to go up yet I'm just watching because <laughs> I'm not ready and they're like hey the stakes are so low. There's just six of us here. You should really just get it out of the way tonight. And I was like, but my notebook's in the car. And they're like, no, no, no. Just get up there right now. Oh, my gosh. And wow. so I did. And they were very sweet. And it was probably like an ideal um, losing your stand-up virginity situation. Nice. Mm -hmm. yeah. With yeah, six low pressure. Nice guys. You know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Supportive. Nice. Uh, so that was not quite 10 years ago? No, that, no, was, probably, that. that was like seven, okay. seven and a half. And when you came out, you said you wanted to be a writer. What kind of writing were you hoping to do? I wanted do? to be a screenwriter. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and then and you obviously got hired right away to do that as your day job because that's what always of happens. Of course. <laughs> yeah. They <laughs> plucked me up. Right away. Right they off the like, bus. They were like, welcome. Welcome you. to Wisconsin. We have a job waiting for you. <laughs> like, like we do welcome. always in LA. Yes. Here's Straight, in. Yes. Straight to Conan's writing room. Um, what did you do when you first got out there to, you know, feed yourself and buy can openers? Oh, I mean, my first six months, I worked three different jobs. I worked at Starbucks in the morning, mm -hmm. and then I tutored, mm -hmm. and then I worked at a cafe closing shift. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And you were doing comedy also, open micing? Mm -hmm, at night. So mm -hmm. when did you sleep? One has to wonder. Uh, yeah, I didn't. I didn't. Well, I didn't have any friends, so it's like <laughs> right. I didn't need to have a social life. So right. it was like, yeah, work and stand up. So you right. didn't follow anybody out there. You just went out by yourself. I did. Well, it's impressive. I did know. So when I had the job at Interlochen, uh -huh. I applied to be a teacher at a school in Chicago at this Christian high school, mm -hmm. and I got the job, and then. A few months before school started, they found my blog and thought I was not <laughs> Christian Appropriate enough. material. What was on your blog? What sort of blog Ooh. was it? Oh, I just like questioned the Lord. No, oh, not that. Lord. Yes. Dangerous. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh -oh. Dangerous. So mm -hmm. they fired me before I started. And then I was like, I don't know what to do. And I knew I wanted to be a screenwriter. And I knew people said you had to move to L.A. to do that. Mm -hmm. And so I wrote a blog post about, like, maybe I should move to L.A. And this woman emailed me. And she was like, I read your blog. I live in L.A. I love your writing. I think we could be best friends. And if you move out here, you can stay on my couch until you find your own place. Whoa. And wow. The internet did. delivered. That wasn't. Susan the Isaacs first by any chance, was it? Time ever. It was not. Okay. <laughs> That's, That's remarkable. And it wasn't like a single white female situation. Right, she yeah. To, that she wasn't yeah, a serial my killer. My parents were like, please don't do that. Yeah. But <laughs> wow. I did it. Still, that's You're, gutsy. It is. It's like super it's really impressive. Gutsy. 
it's you don't have any problem taking these great leaps of courage and faith, do you? It seems. Well, I think it was because I was so young and I just didn't think about it. Uh-huh. Like mm-hmm. I didn't have anything holding me to Wisconsin um, or the Midwest, really. Like I think about it, like could I ever do that now? Mm-hmm. And I, the thought of like starting over is terrifying. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So I we're we're hearing gurgling noises in the background. Yeah, and- I'm going to move to a different room. <laughs> no, it's charming, but I want to tell the the listening audience who this mm. is. Um, it, this is Abe, your yes. son, baby. Mm-hmm. Your baby, yeah. and Abe is turning six months this week. He's yeah, six months this week. So um, so we are <laughs> early October. So let's go backwards. Early mm-hmm. days of COVID sh- lockdowns, you gave birth. That's I did. insane. Tell us. And um, he was two months early, so it was very scary. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it was a very um, uh, traumatic preg- uh, delivery. And Sorry. Wow. I was in the ICU for a little bit, and they thought I had COVID. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, was Rachel. Was your, was your husband allowed to be at the birth? So, yes, I think that because they got stricter. Oh, as it went along. Um, or, as it has gone yeah. on. Like, I've right. had friends that have given birth since and, like, had to wear masks during their delivery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I didn't. They did say, when we first got there, my water broke at seven months. And mm. they're like, you're going to be here, in, you know, indefinitely. Um, and they told my husband he could, have, he could only stay for two hours a day. Oh, my and gosh. He was like, what if I just don't leave? Like, that's safer than me going in and out. <laughs> it would seem. And, yeah, actually. Yeah. And they're like, okay, I guess you can stay then. <laughs> and so he, he just he lived stayed. at the hospital mm, with you? Yeah, until until I gave birth. Wow. But everybody's wow. okay how, now? Yes. Good. We're all good now. How, much, how long were you in the hospital total? Well, I was... They try to keep me, they wanted me to stay as long as possible mm-hmm. because apparently your water can break and then you can still, the baby can still grow and be fine. Like there was a hmm. woman in the room next to me who had been there for like three weeks Whoa. and her water had broken. Yeah. And, and I was like, I don't want that. And I was uh. like, can I work <laughs> while I'm here? And they're like, probably not. Uh, but actually... My son, he like was not responding well to the water being broken. Mm. And so he lasted two and a half or three days mm-hmm. before he was like out of here. C-section. Wow. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Rachel. So you wow. were, you were before <clears throat> and I can't fathom a traumatic delivery in the middle of all this craziness. So you were just a, a brave and mighty soul. Wow. Um, Thank you. you. Geez, I'm just so impressed. I was impressed with you before I knew any of this, and and now I'm even more impressed. Um, You said that you were trying to do work. Were you trying to (laughs) write, like for comedy, or were you grading? I know you've been a teacher. Yeah, tutoring. Back to teaching. So I worked in like January through March. I worked for this um, sketch show that's going to be on the Sci Fi Channel. Is that the movie show? The movie show, yes. And uh, they like we're gonna do. We like shut down a little bit early because of COVID, mm-hmm. and then they were like brought us back. And I was like, yeah, I, I definitely still want to write mm. for this. Mm. So I did here and there. 
so you were you were you were working in doing what you initially wanted to do out there writing for tv or yes. in film mm-hmm. but before that you taught for a while and we you know we, all three of us mark and caitlin and i watched and raved about your type five for david spade um oh, thank you wherein you talk about losing your job as a teacher yes. um uh, <laughs> that was mm-hmm. in that that was last year, right? That you, yeah, that was 2019. Mm-hmm. So Which, this, I mean, the set is, I mean, the little bit is great, but it sounds also very traumatic to lose a job that you love to do a different job that you love mm. and have those two things being compatible. Yeah. It was the worst thing that ever happened to me. I think. Oh dear. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and my husband and I talk because I still like have nightmares about it. Um, I think it's like the financial aspect is one thing. Like mm. suddenly you don't have health insurance. You don't have, you know, this income that you were uh, relying upon. Mm-hmm. But then it's like right. teaching was part of my identity. Mm-hmm. I loved teaching. I was a good teacher. Mm-hmm. And then I think for people to think that I had done something wrong or that I had Right. been like they treated me like a monster oh, uh, no. they, they uh sent me home when they like a parent found my stand-up and was offended <laughs> and he like emailed the principal and then they sent me home that day and had a courier service deliver a letter of oh, termination so, so they, they didn't, didn't even talk, talk to, to you me. they didn't tell oh, you to Rachel. your face that's so no. cowardly too on top yeah. of that also Oh my gosh! Man, and you were teaching junior awful. high. Yeah. Do you want to do you want to shout out this terrible school district? <laughs> <laughs> I looked it's up called, the name. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, it's Park Century School. Um, it's like it's because it's a private school, and so all the rich parents they are I mean entitled. they're funding the school. Yeah. yeah, and they're entitled, and it's like the administration kind of has to just go along with what they want. Right, because they're putting um, the bill. It never but this wasn't a, a Christian situation. high school. No, it wasn't Christian. No, it was just upper, upper, upper class children yeah. but of it, rich people. But you hadn't hidden the fact that you were, in fact, a stand-up comedian. Your no, kids the knew principal and- had seen me <laughs> to stand up. Oh, dear. Yeah. So did he have to so, pretend to be shocked when the parents came to him? Uh, I think, I don't know how they, I don't know how the administration responded to the parents. Mm-hmm. I think they were like, well, I guess we have to fire her. Um hey. Because did the did the parent who came? I I read an interview where um, where comedians were like, "Burn the parent to the ground." What's their name? Blah blah blah. And then mm-hmm. and they were like, "Oh no, maybe not." But um, when the parent went to the school administration, did they say we are taking our kids out of your school unless you fire her? Did like what no. was the threat? Like how could they? How did it go from the principal? Having seen your stand-up, knowing you're a comedian, approving clearly of both of those mm-hmm. jobs of yours, to one parent complains and they're like, oh, JK, you're out. Yeah, I think it was because, yeah, the the, t- the parent didn't actually say, like, I want Rachel fired. Hmm. But he did say, like, this isn't okay and something needs to be done about it, which I feel like does it's basically kind of that's, that's what the – yeah. Yeah. Or threatened, and, like you, you have yeah. to choose or something, throwing his way But the, the thing is, like this parent, I didn't even have his kids. Oh, boy. So he didn't know me. 
That is ridiculous. More frustrating. Because I think if he did, like, a lot of the parents of my students were like, we don't care. Like, Mm. Rachel loves her kids. Mm -hmm. These are jokes. This is a character that she does. Mm -hmm. Um, But he didn't understand that because he doesn't know me. And doesn't understand. But then how is it even his business or is he even related to the situation? Again, rhetorical, clearly, but still. He's the PTA president, so I guess. Oh, shit. Yeah. Well, there you go. It's all about appearances that he didn't want to be associated with a school who might be associated with something he didn't agree with. Mm. Yeah. Well, how long ago was that? Wow. So that was a year and a half. All right. Well, after that happened, which was, it sounds just horrendous. I can't really bad. Imagine how sort of ego shaking that is and, or could be. And did it make you nervous being a comic? Did that ever shake your faith in maybe being a comedian? Um, I don't think so. Mm, Good. But it did make me think like, do I have a future in education if I want to keep pursuing stand-up? Ah. Mm. Like, should I try to get a different day job? Okay. Which is hard because, like, I went to school for teaching, Mm -hmm. and that is what my experience is in, and it's what I'm good at. Mm -hmm. Right. Aside from comedy. And you love it. Yeah, I do love it. Mm. Mm -hmm. Do you think there's uh, something similar in both practices both vocations that you know teaching and standing up and telling funny stories to make people laugh make people think you know um so i'm like working on pitching a show Mm -hmm. uh right now and i've been meeting with some of my former students about like their side of the story oh cool uh, (laughs) oh that's interesting yeah, and it's been very sweet and redemptive because yeah. a couple of them were like, you know, you were entertaining and so you, we cared about what you were yep. teaching. Mm-hmm. And there, one girl was like, you know, I always care about history, but a lot of kids don't. And But when you taught it, you know, they were interested. Mm. And they're just so special. Mm. Well, that I can only be. imagine that being a comedian makes you a better teacher. You uh, Part of being a comedian is listening, mm. paying mm-hmm. attention to your audience, making sure that they're yeah. engaged, changing yeah, things right. up if mm-hmm. they aren't engaged to figure out a way to bring them back in. That's all part yeah. of the structure of comedy. So if you're mm-hmm. doing that as a teacher as well, I can only imagine the students were thought that you were a great teacher. Mm. Yeah, I'd like to think so. So the the shitty thing happened with the teaching, but then I feel like knowing just a little that I do about sort of the arc of what last year was like for you, did that open up space for sort of breakthroughs in your comedy career, do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say because everyone has been like, oh, you needed it to happen because that's how you got David Spade and that's how you uh. got this writing job. And I'm like, I don't know, maybe I could have still gotten it without <laughs> yeah. getting fired. Yeah. Um, but that is the chain mm-hmm. of events. And I do I do talk about getting fired on Spade. Yep. Mm-hmm. So who knows? Mm. Um, but yeah, my career did kind of take off from there. Of course, now it has hit 
a standstill yeah. in some ways because mm-hmm. of COVID. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it, but it's part of what we're talking to everybody about, all this, the different kinds of artists and creatives that we're having these conversations with about, so what were you doing before St. Patrick's Day <laughs> this year and what have you been doing since and how has it changed your art or your creativity? Um, and where is that creativity, the creative energy or the artistic impulse if it can't go into the place that it normally goes for you, where does, where is it gone? Mm-hmm. Instead. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's hard because especially having a baby yeah. is this new thing that I would love to process on stage. Ah. Um, you know, and I've like written some jokes that I've performed on zoom shows, but it's just, <laughs> it's so, um, <laughs> not the same yeah and but my husband and I we have been writing a pilot about a woman who is a new mom and who is uh depressed Uh uh-huh uh so a lot of creative energy has been going to that Mm. oh that's Um, cool yeah and you said I think before we started recording that you're you met your husband because he was in stand-up as well or still is Mm -hmm. in stand-up as well yeah, so, he, he doesn't really do stand-up. Well, none of us can do stand-up anymore. <laughs> right, but right, At the yeah, moment. He, st- he stopped before COVID. Um, but yeah, he's very funny. He uh, contributes to The Onion and is... Uh, nice. we, we sometimes perform together and we wrote some sketches together. So mm-hmm. it, it has been fun to do a longer project with him. Yeah. Is that pilot. something you'd always wanted to do together was to create to create a project together, create a comedy show together Mm -hmm. or a sketch or yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, we enjoy, we did like a rough draft of a, like a Christmas family feature film. (laughs) Um, and that was like kind of wetting our feet. And so this is the first one that we feel first thing that we are like, we think this could be something. So our, our production wise, I know some things are starting up again. Some mm-hmm. new TV series are just starting to shoot again. Some th- uh, in terms of selling projects right now, is that still happening? That end of it? I've heard different things. Mm. So some people are like, yeah, it's a great time to pitch. <laughs> and some other people are like, no, because production, everyone's thinking production is going to be shut down, you know, just tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So I've been hearing both, but I do know like the show that I wrote on, they're filming right now. They are. So yeah. The sci-fi channel show. Mm-hmm. Is that, okay. is it live action or is it animated or puppets or I feel like I saw puppets. It is. There are two puppets where the main characters and okay. then the rest of it is uh, people. Aha. Mm-hmm. Wow. And is that the first show that you've written for? Yes. Oh, wow. That's yeah. cool. Tell me how the David Spade connection came about, if you can. Honestly, I think they the um, two guys that run the show, uh-huh. one of them is a stand-up, and they wanted comedians writing for the show because it's mm-hmm. a sketch show, and right. so it's not like a, it doesn't follow a narrative structure. And um, they wanted to make sure that they had some women, and they saw my Spade set and mm-hmm. reached out to me and asked if, I had a writing sample and I did and then I interviewed and that was it. Wow. That is very cool. But you That's were prepared. 
I was prepared. You've yes. been working hard. I mean, this isn't like you didn't just mm-hmm. waltz into LA and suddenly bing, you know. Yeah. Um, is it is it a weird, not weird, is it difficult as a female comedian to get work or is it something like what you had said that they wanted a woman? So are you more like, is there some... Oh, I'm sure. In <laughs> many ways, I think it has helped me to be a woman. Uh, because in some ways. Mm. I like, mean, in the first time in the history of ever. Yeah. To be like, hey, I'm a woman and that makes it better. <laughs> so yeah. In Hollywood, I I mean, doing stand-up. I mean, yeah. take yeah. it away, you know? Yeah. Get all the advantages. Definitely. If you look at like clubs before COVID, mm-hmm. um, like all the headliners were predominantly still men. men. Yeah. But it is like the case in this small aspect of like shows in LA, they do want at least one woman. They want, you know, one person of color. They want Mm -hmm. one LGBTQ. Uh, So in that way, I did Mm -hmm. feel like, oh, I'm the woman on the show Um, (laughs) and I will take it. (laughs) So Yes. yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So in that way. Right. Yes. It's been helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but in all the other ways, you know, we're, there's three of the four of us in this Zoom room are women, so a lot of it is just yeah, we know. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. it's just part of the business of being. I yeah. mean, both the business of being a, an adult woman in the world, but then also mm-hmm. an adult woman in entertainment, mm-hmm. which is still predominantly run and operated and controlled by men. Mm-hmm. Like that's mm-hmm. just the truth of the matter. Yeah. So, and I wondered too, like when I found out that you were a paid regular at the comedy store, mm-hmm. I wondered how the Joe Rogan podcast has affected that experience for you or has it because he's so um, vocal about the comedy store that I wondered mm-hmm. if he had raised the profile over the last several years. He interviews a lot of comedians. I was just curious. That's definitely possible. I mean, he's a very much a, a a fixture at the store Mm -hmm. and um i mean he sells out the main room all the time before covid Mm. uh and yeah i think so many people have come go to the store to see joe rogan so i do think like that has been very helpful for the store i remember doing a show in the belly room so Mm -hmm. the the comedy store is three stages Mm -hmm. um and the belly room is the smallest stage and I was doing a set and I looked out into the crowd and these people were wearing Joe Rogan t-shirts <laughs> and they couldn't oh get in. <laughs> ah, the they wind up with you? Uh, yeah. So they uh, ended up in the belly room. prize. Yeah. <laughs> You're so like, I welcome. I with them. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. I Yeah. So, I was just curious how that all went. Mm-hmm. So nobody's doing what they want to be doing the way they want to be doing it right now, except for maybe the delusional president at the moment. Um, <laughs> if you, if this were, if this weren't happening and you mm-hmm. still had, you know, a little infant at home, what would you like to be doing or what would you hope to be doing? Um, I would love to be doing stand up, especially, I mean, I was prepared to take a little bit of a step back after yeah. I had a baby <laughs> Um, my husband was like, please don't do free bar shows in Van Nuys, uh, anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, and all the driving too. I mean, it'd be yeah. LA. It's just time consuming. Yeah. And so that was his, he's like, if we have the baby, you can't do open mics 
you know, three times a night anymore. And uh-huh. I was like, yeah, I get that. <laughs> um, but what the store, since I'm like one of the newest paid regulars, I was getting very late spots, like mm-hmm. at midnight. And I was like, that's perfect because <laughs> the baby's sleeping then. Yeah. And so I was. It's true. So if we hadn't had COVID, I was uh, prepared to, you know, keep hitting the store for mm. those sets. Right. But And just figure out how to work it all around. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Because you can't make, I mean, it's it's very difficult to make a living off of stand-up. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. um it, when you get past at the store, you can like, depending on the week, it can seem like a part-time job. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was hoping for a little income. And then during a time where my husband's here to watch the baby. Yeah. But. Uh, if you <clears throat> could, you know, click your heels or have a magic wand and make a go away tomorrow, what's the first thing? creatively that you would want to do that you can't do at home the first thing yeah it would probably be to just go to the store mm. the comedy store it's um for those people that don't understand stand-up it's um it takes so much time to get good at something mm-hmm. or to get good at stand-up and it's hard to get time so even like you know, you do a show, even a good show is usually only 10 minutes. You got a 10 minute set. Mm-hmm. Right. And at the comedy store, they give 15 minute sets. And so you're able to just like try stuff and mm-hmm. do crowd work and grow as a comedian in a way mm-hmm. that you wouldn't be able to without that mm-hmm. um, opportunity. Right. And so, like, I was doing so much. Uh, riffing about being pregnant mm-hmm. when I was like before COVID and just having so much fun mm. in a way that you can't if you're having to do like a tight 10 minute set. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, there's not enough room in there. Yeah. What what has Zoom comedy been like? Uh, I still enjoy it, especially like if people have their uh, cameras on, because then I can still do crowd work in a way. Ah, Interact. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's been fun. And I do have like some new bits about being a mom. But uh, and it's nice not having to drive or find parking. So (laughs) that's true. True. So is there in I mean, you can hear them laughing. Is there interaction in that particular way? How yeah, many people on the are show. there? Okay. Can you heckle I, via Zoom? I suppose you could. I yeah. Know. I mean, <laughs> they have text. to be a very uh, <laughs> careful, yeah. I think, about, you know, muting certain people. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has been nice because they'll like, I've made more on Zoom shows than I have on a lot of alt comedy shows because they'll like share your Venmo and then people are like, oh, she is funny and she just had a baby. I'll give her some money. Oh, that's cool. Oh, that's yeah. perfect. That's great. Yeah. That's awesome. That, that was my, one of my next questions was going to be, so how are you two, you know, keeping yourselves in nappies and whatnot, groceries and stuff? Yeah. I mean, my husband's working from home mm-hmm. and I have been tutoring and teaching a couple classes mm-hmm. um so we're making it work i would well, think that good. the need for tutors especially at this point is actually higher than it was yeah, pre-covid 
Is that true? A lot of people are, um, a lot of people are being hired to like go to homes and do pods help kids with their Zoom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> the pods. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It would I mean, freak me out to go into somebody's house with their kids right now. Yeah, I mean, thankfully, I've been tutoring via Zoom like mm. during my husband's lunch break. So, and then I've t- teach like kind of at the end of the day when he's done with work. So mm-hmm. it's worked with our schedules. It's just crazy that we've been in this. I mean, we have such a small apartment. And <laughs> you still like, like each time. other? <laughs> <laughs> Most of the time. <laughs> That's good. Is Abe a good baby? Is he, he fussy? He is a good baby. Well, you're lucky. I don't think he's fussy. Uh, you, he's I think good. you'd feel it if you were fussy. That's, yeah. That's sort of like, yeah. You'd no. be more tired, probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> has your has your creativity come out in any sort of unusual way during this like lockdown quarantine baby COVID world? Well, she's macrame you know, sofas, but I'm, apart from that. Yeah. Has it come out in any weird ways? I mean, just the writing, which I think is a usual way. Yeah. Um But you haven't picked then, up any new hobbies or decided to reupholster your kitchen table. I wish I had time to. <laughs> anytime my hu- my my husband naps, anytime my baby naps, I'm just like, oh, can I do the dishes in this amount of time? <laughs> of like, course. It, right. Or, yeah, I've been very invested in keeping up with my book club, which is Ooh. not really a creative endeavor, but it, it does give me life. What are you reading? What are they reading? Well, what did we read last time? We read... We read An American Marriage, and then last month we read, oh, The Library Book, oh. which I really love. Okay, it's I've good. heard. Hmm. Yeah, it's um like long-form journalism. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you would know, Kathleen. Um, and it's all about like the fire at the Central Library in LA, but it's also about that library in general and the different librarians it's had mm. and... It was really good. Librarians and, are, are weird and sexy and intriguing. Yes. Just, I know a few, you know, there's Jenna comes to mind. Somebody that we went to college with was in the theater. She's a librarian and research librarians are just, you know, all that tweed and knowledge. <laughs> I don't know, something about that. They do something for you. Yeah, they're they're so happy. To I did marry that, my Kathleen. professor. So yeah, <laughs> he's uh, not true. a librarian. Um, <laughs> you know, I want to ask you about writing because yeah, I'm a writer and, it's been a bit of a mixed bag this particular time Mm because there's like, I have all this time. Yeah. But then there's just constant chaos. If you're paying attention to even a little bit, it's the, the less I pay attention to it, the more likely I am to maybe create something that's not shitty. Um, Mm. But even just getting started for a lot of writers, I know they're like, my, my brain is just overwhelmed, but it sounds like the global anxiety really is pervasive. Everybody's adrenals are blown out. Yeah. Are you, have you experienced any of that? Or I have a feeling Rachel that you might be one of the people who, and I can be like this sometimes where the more I have going on, the better I am at everything. Like I can kind of, Mm. right you know maybe it comes from in my experience you know working in a newsroom where there was just chaos around you all the time and you had to be able to focus on what you were doing 
But sometimes when I have more to do, I, I'm, I'm more creative. And you've got a lot on your plate right now. with baby. Yeah, it's interesting because I think, you know, we were in quarantine for about a month before I had the baby. Mm-hmm. And I do think I've gotten more done after. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, when, yeah, I do think like being busier forces you to just make time to prioritize yes. in a way. Um, yeah. That I think, yeah, if you just have all this time, it's easy to just get depressed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's true. And, I think or it, think too much about or yeah. be online too much. Con- be on social conjectural too much. navel gazing. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, are you finding that you're drawn to write about, I mean, some of this is the perspective of you're a new mom. And I would imagine mm-hmm. that that's, you know, no matter how you become a parent for the first time, it's still whether you're breastfeeding or, you know, trying to teach somebody how to speak English at nine, as that was <laughs> my experience, um, it, it just, everything just sort of refocuses, like the priorities mm-hmm. just get changed very quickly. Um, but d- have you found that you're writing about something different ev- outside of, you know, being a new mom? Is there something about this nervous time where everything feels cataclysmic all the time? that your your writing is changing or the subject matter of your comedy that you're thinking about is different or yeah I mean I do think I tend to write autobiographically sure or at least mm-hmm. that's um kind of where I the starting point mm-hmm. and then I fictionalize things mm-hmm. and so for me I mean motherhood has been really hard and I I wonder also if it's the pandemic has made it harder because we don't have like my parents are in Wisconsin. Sure. Yeah, they can't help. So it's like, I wish someone like would just hold our baby, you know? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I've been writing jokes about that. Like how, if you get a COVID test and it comes out negative, like you have to come immediately to my apartment um, and watch my son. <laughs> and hold, hold my baby so I can do the dishes. Yeah, like, I don't care who you Go are. Go to the bathroom. You that negative test. <laughs> so have your parents been able to meet Abe yet? Mm-mm. Oh, that's so hard. Wow. Yeah. Is there, Has he ever, met anyone besides the two of you? So, I mean, we, we have a front yard. So people, a few friends have come over for like six foot visits. Yeah. Um, but... My husband's mom lives in the valley, mm-hmm. and yesterday actually was the first time that we went over there and like sat inside and she held him, and that oh. was oh, wow. so nice. I bet and for her too, was, I can imagine. Yeah, that has yes. to be major. Mm-hmm. It, the population so of Abe's world just increased by a third. <laughs> it did. That's like mm-hmm. wow. I'm picturing what Abe's world m- must look like. I know, right? With you two f- funny people as his parents. I mean, for a baby, <laughs> this is probably the best case scenario in the world ever. Yep. Like, probably. You're yeah. never alone. You're hardly ever set down. People don't leave. Mm-hmm. The environment doesn't change. It's just mm-hmm. like, it's like being in a womb, except slightly larger. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, very, <laughs> very just slightly larger. Yeah, just, I mean, it is LA. So slightly, so, yeah, you know, it feels it certainly feels like a womb to me. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think everyone's houses started to feel that way in all the yeah, worst in all the ways. ways. Yeah, <laughs> after a certain Everything point, needs a good cleaning. You said you wanted to do fifty open mics. How oh, yeah. many did you do? I mean, I know you're still oh. open micing, but. 
How many did you mm-hmm. do before you got to a point where you felt where you were? I don't know what the what's the mate what's the metric for it? Is it being paid to go up? Is it being invited to go yeah, up? Yeah, I mean, it's hard. The, I think making it in stand up has changed mm-hmm. throughout time, and it used to be the case where if you get on TV, you're set, mm. um, and that is no longer the case. Mm-hmm. Right. And now it's like, oh, if you become a YouTube sensation, you're set. Or like, if you're good at TikTok, you're set. Oh, are you um, TikToking? Sure. I'm not TikToking. <laughs> good but, for you. Uh, <laughs> you know, tempted. Uh, I mean, might as well, right? Yeah. Do a, do a minute um, and a half know. set. I feel like One-handed. Dance, I don't know how to do any dances. And that's, that's the best That kind. is the main. That is the yeah. main thing. True. <laughs> the people trying to dance. <laughs> Yeah. Can you write a longboard? I don't have any longboarding skills. No. (laughs) Sorry. um, (laughs) So I think, uh, you know, someone said, I don't know if it was Kyle Kinane said that like it it takes 10 years to make money off Mm. of stand up. Mm -hmm. And so I feel very grateful that I'm not even 10 years in and Mm. I have, you know, gotten a writing job and got passed at the store and Granted, right now I'm not making money doing it, but um, but then no is, one is. So is anybody no, doing very few any stand up? Um, I know there've been there've been like drive-in shows. Oh yeah, uh, I had heard about like those. Yeah, Eliza Schlesinger has done some, and Bert Kreischer, Kreischer. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But which actually, I can imagine those going over well in certain parts of the country where there's yeah you know, both a drive-in theater and a lot of space and people with cars, you know? Yeah. Mm. But it seems like the kind of art form that would be receptive to that, yeah. unlike other sorts of live entertainment, because it's an isolated number of people on the stage. You can actually film mm. them in such a way that it translates. People can hear mm. in their cars. Like, yeah, you can't hear it's the kind of genius. Yeah. And the beeping. That, yeah. Oh, there's beeping. <laughs> but it's not the same as somebody going, <laughs> no, it's not the same. <laughs> no. No, because it could no. also be a heckle. You know? Yeah, oh, yeah. True. But it's, like, but it's one step up from this, from a virtual reality <laughs> it is, it is scenario. You actually know there are humans out there and mm-hmm. they can interact in a very limited kind of way. Like, especially the ones in the your front lights row. for a giggle. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you could have a whole code. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I know that in New York, they're doing a lot of outside shows. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. But that has just not caught on here really as much. And then also, I'm like, it's going to get cold soon in New York, and yeah. so that's going to it's going to be limited. Yeah, cease to right exist. So mm. when you're in in your experience, when you were coming up, and it didn't take you ten years to become to get jobs to get paying jobs. Mm-hmm. At what point did you feel like, yes, this is something I'm going to commit to because I've made it. I've both made it far enough in that it doesn't make, it makes more sense to keep going than it does to not keep going. Mm-hmm. But then also I feel like you felt like you had gotten enough success that it was mm-hmm. something that you could anticipate getting better at, getting more jobs doing, meeting people and that sort of thing. Like approximately how long, just out of, because yeah. I feel like there's a lot of people who get put off by the idea of having to slave in the trenches for ever which to be honest is just how artists have to operate mm-hmm. <laughs> you just slave in the trenches for as long as it takes but I am curious how long it took you you know and that's an interesting question because I feel like 
a lot of people probably commit too long. Like uh, they should uh, bail. There's so many people trying to do stand up. Like, yeah, you reach a point where you're like, it's not going to happen. Hmm. Interesting. Or like it. it um, Is that a what, then, like, what, how, an age thing? Sorry. Mm-hmm. I was just going to ask what, what would make them evaluate I and think, say it's not happening? I mean, when people quit, I'm like, good for you. You know, mm. I think it's important to get out when you can. Mm. It, yeah. Like stand-up takes so much from you. Like right. to really pursue it, you're spending so much time. You're driving around. You're like buying a drink so that you can go up. It's like so dumb. Mm-hmm. And if you don't feel like you have to do it, right. you shouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and there are, but there are a lot of people that do it. Right. Still. Yes. Yeah. That's how I feel about because uh, Mark and I have both toured for a lot of time. We've both been in the theater business. That's how I feel about mm-hmm. actors. I feel yeah. that the vast majority of them should evaluate at a certain point and decide whether this is something they really want to pursue. And if they do want to pursue it, really put some serious time and effort into craft technique, Mm -hmm. lessons, things that would actually, not just auditions, you know? So I feel it's kind of a similar scenario with comedians. If you aren't going to put, there's a tremendous amount of work that goes into being a comedian. So much Mm -hmm. writing, so much listening, so much being able to parse the audience and figure out what's working and what isn't, how to fix a bit, all these sorts of things. So if you Mm -hmm. aren't willing to do that work, then you are just going to be driving around forever, going to open mics and buying drinks, right? Mm. Yeah. Ultimately, and also, if you don't have it, you know, I think there are, I don't know if you... if you don't have it. If you don't agree, if, I don't know if this translates to acting, but, like, some people just don't have it. Mm. Yeah, I think it does. We have yeah. enough actor friends it's, that... It's more pronounced in comedy. But, yes, mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. it does. I think, I think my experience is that actors... There's a lot of range for actors mm-hmm. so that you can more fit options. into more options. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you are not funny, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> or, mm-hmm. or if the audience doesn't find you funny, like yeah. that's it. It sounds like you were kind of saying, Rachel, forgive me if I'm not getting this right, but this is kind of what it sounded like. There's, there comes a point where it's taking more from you than you're getting mm-hmm. back from the experience of, doing it and feeding that creative whatever it is and not just financially not just you know keeping crazy hours but there's something maybe soul sucking yeah when it's just a slog and it's not yeah I think what I told my my husband who stopped doing stand-up is like if it's not fun for you right now you shouldn't do it Mm -hmm. because and that's why, I, I mean, I transitioned from doing a lot of open mics and some shows to, like, just doing shows and barely going to open mics anymore mm-hmm. because the mics weren't fun. Okay. Right. And it's, like, it has to be fun yeah. without the hope of it leading to something. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I get it. And you have to enjoy the culture. You have to make friends in the business. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like that's also a large part of the comedy circuit is getting to see people, you know, getting to see people, you know, get better, getting to see people, you know, just hang out with them, like Mm. all that sort of culture of it too. Yeah. And Mm. definitely I'm very grateful for stand up for giving me some very good friends Mm. that I came up with. Yeah. Um, 
but it's been interesting seeing like people quit like my friend just moved to Alaska and he's so funny but it's like he's a straight white male mm, it's crowded you know yep it's not not their time no it's really not (laughs) yeah um sorry for the first first time ever for the first (laughs) not sorry not sorry time yeah yeah is this and a bad time sorry. to announce my stand-up career? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, this is the perfect time. <laughs> Get after wow. it. Um, well, that leads into, uh, if we want to end our time with you, Rachel, you're fascinating. Thank you for spending this time with us, with all, everything else you got going on, um, with Mr. Abe in the background. Uh, I, I guess I want to kind of run through a few things, but the first one that comes to mind, which I wasn't going to ask you until you just started talking about what you were talking about last is like, did you have a, f- a favorite comedian male or female that who you saw when you were younger and went that that's, that's what mm. I, was there somebody that you, that's I don't want to say question. modeled yourself after, but someone that you thought like the trajectory or whatever they were doing was something that you want to do that. Or an um, idol. I mean, not really, because I didn't. I didn't watch stand up. Oh, that's I right. You said LA. that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I mean, Tina Fey to a large degree. I mean, mm-hmm. I respect, and she's like, you know, has a career in many. You know, she's a good writer. She's mm-hmm. a good actor. She's. Mm-hmm. Um, I and Chelsea Peretti was mm-hmm. one of the first comedians I ever saw, and I was immediately really? obsessed with her. She was <laughs> at the comedy store that night that I went. Oh wow! And. <laughs> And I was like, she is fearless yeah. and she is just uh, scary and <laughs> I love her. <laughs> so definitely Chelsea Peretti has been like, a, she was like, oh, I want to be like that. That's yeah. cool. I love that. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, in COVID, and again, you've got a little person that you're trying to grow so it's mm-hmm. not the, quite the same as some of us who don't have that situation. But I would imagine, like most of us, that you have been perhaps streaming things and, and uh, watching more stuff than maybe you weren't before. Is there something that you've watched during this time that you thought was really excellent or especially funny or something you went back to? Maybe not even something new that was just like, oh, crap, that's really amazing. Well, if you guys have not been watching The Vow... It's the docuseries on HBO Max about the cult Nexium. Oh, right. I have not watched that. I watched an earlier, like, like feature length doc. Oh, that's Mm -hmm. creepy as branding and so. The Vow, really? Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. So, high recommendation. (laughs) So, creepy documentary stuff. Do you watch a lot of, like, murder documentaries too? Or. Um, I feel like documentaries are the one overlap that my husband and I have uh-huh. mm. of our interests. We did watch Succession and we both like Succession. Brilliant. Um, but usually our interests in don't diverge. Uh-huh. But huh. which, documentaries they do. Which way do they go? Like what what are you more interested in? Um, I would say he's more of like I feel like I always accuse him of liking guy stuff like, <laughs> like monster like truck rallies mob stuff not monster truck rallies <laughs> like true like, crime true crime not yeah, uh, yeah monster uh, okay. fish right yeah. yeah i mean we both watched the um docuseries about Patton oswald's wife god that was so good um, yeah yeah uh, i'll be gone in the dark yep 
yeah. That was amazing. Um, so that's kind of our perfect mm. intersection um, mashup. Yeah. Right. Mm. right. Interesting. And what would you but watch if like it was indie just drama? There we go. Okay. Indie yeah. dramas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Something more offbeat, quirky, relationship yeah. oriented people. Relationship oriented. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I get into that. Okay. Yeah, uh, he doesn't. <laughs> Fair. Documentaries <laughs> are where my husband and I, you know, find a lot of common ground too, because I tend to like stupid. Com- well, I, I'm kind of promiscuous when it comes to film, but um, <laughs> I, I have a much higher tolerance and enjoyment for, you know, stupid comedy mm. stuff, and he doesn't really. Do, or a British comedy that he can't understand the accent, so he's like, I'm not getting half of this. So, um, oh, I mean, he doesn't want to put on the closed subtitles, right? <laughs> no, yeah. we put closed captions on for everything. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> That's smart, actually. Truly, I love it. But uh, then I find that all I'm doing is reading, and I'm not paying as much attention to the visuals. Yeah, I still like it though. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I like it if if what's happening on the screen is not in English. You know, mm. uh, yeah, yeah. Like I just watched f- several episodes of something called Tehran on uh, Apple Plus, and you know it's a drama series, and it's all in Arabic and Hebrew. And I've watched like every series about Hasidic and ultra Orthodox Jews. That's like one of my like weird <laughs> interests, um, and okay. they're all and they're all in like Hashtag Yiddish obsessions. and Hebrew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like Kat- <laughs> Kathleen's strange obsessions, ultra Orthodox <laughs> Jews. Um, yeah, and so I got really good at like reading, like because there's three different kinds of subtitles for the. Yeah, anyway. Oh wow. But but in English, or if part of it is if part of it is in English, then I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want to read part of this. Like, what's the mm-hmm. Fortitude? Did you do you guys know that series that's set up in the Arctic Circle and it's this sort of thrillery, creepy, almost sci-fi. Um, and part of it is in Norwegian, and part of it is. Oh, I was like, I've heard of that. Why have like I heard Dennis, of that? Yes, Dennis right. Quaid. It's really good. Um, but yeah. Anyway, but I digress. So, um, second, ver- this is like the world's slowest speed round, by the way. Um, <laughs> speed in quotes, weirdest thing you've you've bought online during COVID. Um, I bought a pink dildo. <laughs> okay. For a sketch. I was going to say, please, please continue. Like, for the baby? <laughs> no, for your husband? That's no, I have offered. I'm like, we could actually use this if you want to try. He's like, ask me again tomorrow. Let's see how this goes. He just said, no, you haven't. I think I have, though, honey. I actually have. Let's Quick, do it if you want. Let me get tested. I'll come hold the baby. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. We're just closing. Uh, uh, so good. Be- I, uh, you're might may- maybe you're nursing, maybe you're drinking, maybe you're not drinking. But I was going to ask we, uh, if you have a favorite quarantini or a favorite apocalyptic mocktail. You know, I haven't been drinking much, but yes, <laughs> the my my son was in the NICU for a while, mm. and so I was like pumping and dumping there for mm-hmm. a bit. Um, and we made. Uh, lemon, like we did Arnold Palmer's with gin. Ooh. And they were so good. We hmm. made our own lemonade. Wow. Hmm. Okay. So I iced like tea, that. lemonade, and gin? Mm-hmm. Anything feels... else in there? No. No. I'm sure it would be good with like uh, whiskey too. Yeah. Everything's gin good people. with whiskey. Right. right. Mark. All um, of our guests have been gin people <laughs> this week. I don't know. So far. Isn't that so interesting? <laughs> yeah. 
It's Gin Week. Yeah. That's how we can organize these when we when they first start airing. <laughs> there um, we go. All right. Uh, do you have a soundtrack right now? Do you have something that you're listening to? I've been listening to the new Heim oh. album, Women in Music. Yeah. All right. It's a good. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't listened to them since like their first album. And I know they've come up with stuff in between, but a friend was like, this new one's good. So. Excellent. Yeah. We That's like cool. that. If you had a, a dream project, let's pretend COVID never happened and that you don't have any financial constraints and that someone will hold the baby. What, <laughs> what would you do? Or watch the baby. Or watch like the baby. You can actually take the baby somewhere and <laughs> hand it to another person. I would, I would probably make a film or something. Mm. Yeah. Like or write maybe, a screenplay uh, for it or be in yeah. a film or both? Or yeah, both. I also, I have a student who's a, a former student who's a, she's like 14 and she's a great uh, musical theater gal. Mm-hmm. And I've been wanting to write a two woman show for us. Mm. Oh my gosh. I love that. that would be you so and the 14 year old. Oh, that's huh. excellent. I hope you get a chance to do that. That would be fun. I love that. Something you don't see stand up between generations when it's not like a middle-aged white guy and a younger white guy or a middle-aged white guy and a puppet. Um, (laughs) Anyway. Well, uh, Caitlin always asks the last question. We so appreciate you being with us, sweetheart. And we're so happy for your success. And I hope that this... The pot, the you know, existential pause button gets released for everybody to start making yes. their stuff again. Have as an aside, this is not the last question, but have you heard anything on the street as far as how? Because of course we're <laughs> tracking theaters, but mm-hmm. um, about comedy clubs reopening or any sort of projected timeline here. for that anywhere in the world. I mean, I just talked to the booker at the comedy store, mm-hmm. and he's like. California is probably going to be the last to reopen. Yeah. Things. You guys have been and pretty so he's conservative. Like, yeah. He was like, you might be, you could probably get booked more in the Midwest right now. Mm, right. Um, or in the although, South. Yeah. For what that might at, be worth. Uh, look at my face. Um, you can't at uh, home, but I just made like this horrified, like, no, don't do that. That sounds terrible right. for you. But, so is he saying, I mean, is he projecting next year sometime in the summer? I mean, everyone's just guesstimating. Yeah, but anyone who has a business be a is yeah. trying to say it'll be this time because this is when we really hope that we can make it to and everybody will still. I mean, yeah, it's all it's all kind okay. of magical thinking. It is magical. <laughs> well, and again, it's all speculation. So right. nobody yeah. really knows. Oh, time um, is a construct. OK, so the final <laughs> question of the night is or day. Um, what are you looking forward to next week? Or this week, rather. <laughs> so sad. <laughs> I wish you could see her face. No. She was just like, <laughs> we had like, do I have anything to look forward to? Um, I think I we have some friends that are going to visit us on our lawn on Saturday. Oh, that's that. very nice. Right, new people Little, for Abe. I know yeah. he's going to double world population. the number of people. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they will be wearing masks, so he'll see some new eyes. <laughs> Aw, that's fantastic. Well, Good. Stay uh, safe squeeze. and well, my lovely. Yeah, yes, squeeze the baby so for fun. us. We would. I would I love will. to He's hold very the baby. Chubby, so. uh, 
All right, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us today for this episode. If you'd like to hear more about the artists we talked to today, you can go to our website at artistcareandfeeding.com. You'll find social links for the artists and websites and possibly some video clips. You will also find a tip jar. So please throw some money in there and help feed the artists. And you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter. If you want to drop us a line, please email us at artistcareandfeeding at gmail.com. We would like to thank Martin Hanlon, who composed our theme music, and our producer, Mark Rivett, as well as Kurt Leitner, who created the original artwork for our production. Thanks so much for listening. Please come back.